0: So how's everybody doing this morning? Good? Are you feeling good? How was this past week for you? Who uh, I, I want to see a show of hands. Who was not here last week? Raise your hand. Who was not in church last week? Okay, put your hands down. Who of you who weren't here last week listened to the sermon online? Raise your hand. Okay, one, two, one in on the balcony. All right, so a couple of you. Good, good. Just so the rest of you know. That's available online. You can listen to the sermons when you, when you miss a Sunday. Uh, well, as you came in this morning, you're, you see that we're talking about this idea of forgiveness. And, and last week, I'm just going to kind of review this a little bit for all of us so we, the, that we can think about this one more time. Because forgiveness is tough business. It's extremely hard. And, and I said last week that we're going to do something today to drive a stake in the ground concerning Forgiveness. And I pray that you have wrestled with throughout the course of the week and then if you're here for the first time that you'll wrestle with it throughout the course of this service because today we are going to make forgiveness final. Today in God's grace we are going to choose to forgive. Now I want you to write these three words down at the beginning of your notes. Right there in the top there are three spaces. These three words. Total, immediate, and unilateral. Total, immediate, and unilateral. And unilateral. You see, God commands us to forgive totally, completely, not holding on to anything. He wants us to forgive immediately. Uh, The Bible says that we're not to let the sun go down on our anger, right? He wants us to forgive immediately, and forgiveness is unilateral. We are to forgive all people who have injured or hurt us. Total deals with the amount, immediate, the time, and unilateral, the who. Now, it's not easy. And I'm not up here to give you quick four easy steps to be free and to forgive someone. That is not what I'm saying. This is difficult. It is hard. And it is a process. I get that. But until we start the process, it can't happen. And we have seen in this last week that this is so important for us as a church as husbands, as wives, as family members, as Christians. You see, forgiveness is the center of our faith. We're celebrating it this week that Jesus Christ would forgive us not of a little bit, not of some, but of all our unrighteousness. That is simply amazing to me. Um, I've had to forgive some people of some pretty tough things. It's not formulaic, but God commands it. We are to obediently forgive others. And in God's grace, we are able to. Now, there are 10 to 15 passages in the New Testament that talk about forgiveness. I'm just going to mention three. The first is Luke chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus said this. You can look in your Bible if you have a red letter edition. It's in red letters. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive. Forgive them. It's continual. It's not a one-time thing. There is no limit to our forgiveness, Jesus is saying. Matthew 6.15, Jesus again says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sin. And we saw last week that we don't forgive so that we can be saved. We don't forgive so that we can have salvation. We forgive because we have already been saved. It's the forgiveness that we experience ourselves from from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we are then able and commanded to extend to other people. And then, Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this: And when you stand praying, if you are in church, if you are singing, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's total, it's immediate, and it's unilateral. And in Colossians chapter 3:13 Paul gives us another verse on forgiveness and he says bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you wow how incredibly did the Lord forgive us and we saw that last week see in your notes I put it there forgiveness is this this is the description our definition of forgiveness. It is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. It's to not just let it go and, and release it, but, but we are essentially saying I'm going to absorb the pain myself. I am going to do that, and I'll, and I'll mention what that looks like here in a second. Now, I want you to hear this morning that I'm not challenging you to, go to, to actually go to the people that hurt you and tell them that you've forgiven them. I'm not saying that. That could be the case. It might be in your situation. The Lord only knows what that is going to be. What I'm um, challenging us to this morning is to do the business that we need to between God and us as we forgive another person. Because you see, if there is unforgiveness in us, it is sin. It is sin. Now, um, there's a card in each one of your worship folders. And if you didn't get one of those, or if you're thinking one isn't enough, Pastor Dave, I came with, with several, then what you need to do is you need to raise your hand right now and our ushers will come through and they will make sure that you each have one of these. Where are our ushers that have these? Out in the foyer. Ushers. There he is. He's grabbing them right now. He's heading this way.
1: Oh, there
0: he is. All right, anybody need a card? Anybody need another one, okay? Just raise your hands, hold them up. I'm going to keep going, and, and JT will... Russ, can you grab up and uh, grab a stack of those from, from JT and help him with those, okay? And now what I want you to do... Um, some of you may have brought letters already. You already have them written. Some folks at early service, that's what, that's what they did, okay? I want you to if, you're, if you are deciding to forgive someone and you are going to lay this at the cross today, you will write on there, I choose to forgive so-and-so for and then list the pain. And then you will need to fold that in half and at the end of the service you will be given an opportunity to come up here like others did at first service and nail this to the cross symbolizing that you are letting it go. Now we're not going to read these. We're not going to try and decipher handwriting. When When service is over there will be a shredder up here and we will pull everyone off and and run it into the shredder never to be seen again. Okay? And and so what you need to do, you won't have time at the end of the service, you need to start writing now. I give you permission to be distracted as you are writing this down during the course of the message, okay? Um, Be writing on those. In obedience, leaving at the cross, and then relying on the Holy Spirit to work out the process in our lives. Last week, we looked at the parable of the unforgiving servant, which is an unbelievable illustration that Jesus gave those who were around about forgiving. Um, There's a master, and he wanted to collect his debts, and there was a servant who owed him billions in today's terms, billions of dollars, a debt he could not possibly pay. And he begged for forgiveness. He begged for mercy that the master would forgive him this debt. And the master did. He said, you know what? Slate is clean. I will, the master said, absorb the loss of this $8 billion and you are free. And what did that servant do? He walked out of having just been forgiven. He grabbed a fellow servant who owed him, in today's equivalent, 10 bucks began choking him, demanding that he pay back what he owed him, and he threw him, threw him in jail until he could pay. And a few servants around saw this, went, snitched on him to the master. The master called him in, and, and he said, how in the world could you not forgive someone of a debt that can be paid when I released you of a debt that you could not even possibly pay? And as we heard that, it began to sink in. Wow, Jesus really means this. He really means that we are to forgive others as he has forgiven us. A debt that we cannot possibly pay, he has forgiven it for us and commands us to forgive others as God forgives us. Forgive the debt that that can't possibly be paid. You have likely been injured by someone to a point where they can't possibly repay that debt. It can't happen and forgiving them is a decision that you make to release them of whatever you think they owe you and to absorb whatever else is left to yourself because it just doesn't disappear. Our sin doesn't just disappear, does it? If we really think about it, it doesn't disappear. Where does it go? Jesus bears the pain and punishment for our sin. He bears that. And He bears that willingly. Uh, we looked at the fact that there are five rationalizations that we give for not forgiving. We say, number one, it's too big. It's too big. I can't forgive this. That's a rationalization. We say, time will heal it. If I ignore it long enough, it'll just go away. That will not happen. It will always come back. I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. I don't know that Jesus ever says that. You know, He does say when someone comes to us that we are to, when they come repentantly, we are to forgive them, but He also says, that we are to forgive. No um, no rules, nothing. Not, not until they say they're sorry. Uh, something else we say is, I can't forgive if I can't forget. Well, think about that. You're a human being, right? We, we can't forget it. it. It's impossible. There may be longer distance of time between remembering it and thinking about it, but we... We can never forget, so forgiveness obviously is not that. And then finally, if I forgive, they will just do it again. How many times did Jesus tell Peter that we are to forgive? 77 or 70 times 7. An unlimited amount. You can't count it, it's unlimited. And we saw that the fallout of unforgiveness is huge. It punishes everyone around. You've experienced this. From someone who is unforgiving to yourself being unforgiving to others. It's like a tornado going through a town. It, it destroys this wide swath of people and things. We have mental meltdowns. We, we get angry as a drop of a hat. The, the servant, he didn't say, hey man, did you forget about that ten bucks that you owed me? Hey, do you think you could pay it back? No, he ran in and grabbed him by the throat and began choking him immediately. We have meltdowns. Um, we shattered relationships. Um, it, it, it shatters relationships of us and people around us. We're often humiliated, and it literally affects us physically. Now, I'm flying through these. I think they're up here, but if you don't get them written down, you can always get them on the website when you go to listen to last week's message. They are there. They are there. And we also know all too well that that unforgiveness in our lives literally it's been studied, it's been proven affects us physically it affects our physical body James 2.13 says judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful mercy triumphs over judgment you see we have all kinds of things in our minds about what would be right for someone we have all kinds of judgments that we say you should pay for this and this is how you should pay Now, just to be sure again, forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. It's a decision that we make. We also looked at ten things that forgiveness is not. They're going to put those up on the screen. You know, we we in our humanness, we want to use these again as excuses or rationalizations to not forgive. But in reality, they are the reality of the pain that's been caused to us by another person. It's hard. And what we're beginning today is the process. But forgiveness is not approving or diminishing or enabling sin or denying a wrongdoing. They did it. It was wrong. Okay? It's not saying, oh, no big deal. Forget about it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology or forgetting the action. Forgiveness isn't ceasing to feel the pain from the injury. Maybe you've thought to yourself, oh gosh, I still hurt. I still hurt over this. Have I truly forgiven? I believe that we can truly forgive and still experience the pain from whatever injury was caused to us. That, that, that's part of the absorbing. It's, it's part of the absorbing that into ourselves as we release another person. It's not a one-time event. It's not neglecting justice. Uh, a pastor that I listened to last week says that you can forgive someone and then you can sit in a court of law and testify against them Telling the truth of what happened in the situation. Now, I'm still wrestling with that one. But it's not denying justice. God didn't do that. God didn't deny the justice of the sin and the wrongdoing that we have done, did He? There was a price to be paid. It's just that He paid it, not us. He paid that penalty. If we forgive, it doesn't mean we trust right away. And we saw that it doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation will occur. Reconciliation takes two people. Um, I would hope that would be the case for me in every situation, but I'm not sure some of those situations would be appropriate for that. But it is releasing the person from the obligation that was caused when they injured us. And that's what we're doing today. James McDonald calls this the crisis. It's the decision. It's the act of saying, I forgive them. And then asking God to begin to renew our minds. That is the process, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now again, are you filling those cards out? Do you have them filled out yet? Because you're not going to have time at the end of the service to fill them out and then nail them to the cross. I know this is hard. And I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Dave, the pain is just it's too big. It's impossible. Think about who your God is. Think about what He did and what we celebrate next week. It is not impossible. and He wants to heal this in you as He does in myself. Turn to Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 through 32. This is going to be our passage for the morning. Ephesians chapter four verses 30. And 32, where Paul gives us a glimpse, I believe, of what this process, after we have made the decision to forgive, what this process looks like. Ephesians 4:30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Let's stop there. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we then receive the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us. We have the Holy Spirit when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. He comes and He lives in us. Okay? When Paul says that we are sealed for the day of redemption... What this means is that the Holy Spirit is securing our salvation. Okay? That's why Jesus says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of My hand. We have the Holy Spirit and He seals us until the day of redemption. And as Christians... The Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere. He is in us, indwelling us. So when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, Paul says that it grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, grief means to cause sorrow, pain, or distress. And since He is the Holy Spirit, He is always grieved by unholiness. The Holy Spirit is a sensitive spirit. He hates sin discord and falsehood and shrinks away from them. Therefore, if we wish to avoid hurting the Holy Spirit, we should avoid them too. Dealing with the emotions that the hurt and injury others have caused us is an important thing, isn't it? Paul says if we have these things in our life, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Paul mentions six emotions that damage us and other people that will be a part of our life as long as we hold on to that unforgiveness. And through the process after we forgive, these damaging emotions will, in fact, be eliminated. Damaging emotion is eliminated. Paul says in verse six, or Paul mentions six. The first is bitterness, it's bitterness. Bitterness comes from perpetual animosity towards another person. The more animosity that we hold constantly, that bitterness, the Bible says, the root of bitterness gets bigger and stronger and sinks in. And we it, it affects how we are on a day-to-day basis. We say things like, that's stupid, she's dumb, that's wrong. We have this negative outlook on life and it begins to spew into others. Why? Because we have this unforgiveness in our life. There was a man, he was bitten by a dog, and it was later discovered that this dog had rabies. Now, at this particular time when this man got rabies, there wasn't anything medically that could be done to cure rabies. So the doctor went to this man, and, and he, he, he told him the harsh news. He said, sir, we will do all we can to make you comfortable, but I cannot give you false hope. There is nothing we can really do. My best advice is that you put your affairs in order as soon as possible. So the dying man sank back on his bed in shock, but finally he rallied enough strength and he took a piece of paper and a pen and he began to write with energy, with great energy. And an hour later when the doctor returned, the man was still writing vigorously and the doctor said, I'm glad to see that you're working on your will. And the man said, Doc, this ain't no will. This is a list of people I'm going to bite before I die. That's bitterness. That's bitterness. And as as funny as that joke is, it's real in your life and in mine, isn't it? We want those other people to feel that pain that we did because they caused it to us. Jesus says, forgive. The second is rage or wrath depending on which translation you have these are emotions that are produced in the midst of our unforgiveness now i love playing with fire i love it i like burning things i like watching things burn not to say i would ever light something you know that i shouldn't on fire okay don't worry about that but i mean most guys in here would probably admit yeah you know when i got a when i got a campfire there i like to stir a stick in it and you know wave it around and stick the smoke in your wife's face you know stuff like that but what we do when the fire begins to die down is we stir it we shift the logs we get air to it that's what rage or wrath does in our life wrath is stoking the fire of our heart it's keeping those emotions alive paul says that we should get rid of them. Next is anger. Now, anger comes and goes, doesn't it? One minute you're fine, the next minute... I mean, it's there and it's in your face. It's the outburst of rage, actually. And when we experience anger, most often, what's fueling it? Unforgiveness. A wrong someone has committed against us. Brawling or clamor is the next thing that Paul mentions. Now, clamor is loud and vocal. I was leaving a basketball game one afternoon and there were some boys walking along the sidewalk kind of in front of me and they were yelling at some boys out in the parking lot and they were not very nice things. In fact, I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, They were crude. They were mean. They were nasty. Now, obviously, the boys being yelled at had done something to provoke this Unforgiveness. Clamor is loud and vocal. Paul says, get rid of it. Then there's slander. Now, I found this interesting. The Greek word for slander is blasphemia. Blasphemy. It's impious and it's reproachful. I'm going to say it and I don't care who it hurts. That's slander. Think about what unforgiveness does. It can bring us to a point of slander, can't it? If we allow it to stay there. Finally, Paul says there's malice. This is an evil inclination of the mind. This is the bottom of the barrel of unforgiveness. It's literally bad-heartedness. We think, I have every right to feel this way. Look at the injury that this person caused me. I have a right to feel this way. And we think maliciously against them. Now, humanly speaking, I could see where we, we could say to another person, you know what? It's understandable why you have these feelings of maliciousness. But just because it's understandable doesn't mean that it's inexcusable. Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Paul says, rid yourselves of these things. Now, how do we rid ourselves of these things? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Make the decision to let it go. Make the decision to let it go. Cry out to God and surrender the pain and the hurt and the injury. Ask Him to do the work that He wants to do in your life. And I know... I've talked to folks who are just struggling deeply with this. And if you can't come to a place today where you can generally write that person's name down and say, I forgive so-and-so for this and come up and nail it on the cross, I, I beg of you, don't let it stop today. Don't just kind of forget about the last couple weeks and just let it, those roots continue to grow. Pray plead with God that He would give you the forgiveness that you need to forgive that other person. Now, it's possible. I know it is. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself. And then as we choose to forgive, God brings our emotions along to match the choice that we have made. It's a process. It takes time. I understand that. And this is the part that takes the longest when we forgive, but healing does occur. Paul tells us two things that aid in that healing. Point number two is healing efforts are renewed. As I make the choice to forgive, the negative emotion begins to drain out of my body and there becomes room for some positive emotion. Be kind, verse 32, Paul says, and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. God forgave you. So, instead of focusing on the six emotions and actions, Paul says, be kind. Be kind. Now you're thinking, no way. I couldn't be kind to somebody that hurt me. Again, I would tell you that I'm not the one saying this. Everything that we're talking about is coming from right here from God's Word. And He says to forgive. So, yes. Be kind. And He's not talking about simply being kind to those people who are kind to us or who do good things to us. Is He? He's saying that we are to be kind to the very people we are struggling to forgive. Not dismissing their sin. Not minimizing it. But being kind. Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I have someone here today who's going to share a little story about this. Gail, where are you? Come up here, Gail. If I could have you come up here and stand. And when Gail told me that about this, I thought, you know what? That is a, a good illustration of what we're trying to learn. So tell us your story.
2: Okay. Um, First of all, I'm sorry, I can't hold this thing still. Um, I I wrote my story on this sheet. I will just tell you if you could see it, it's marked up, marked out. Um, One thing David didn't mention is forgiveness is is kind of messy and my my sheet reflects that. So this is my story. Uh, My mom was very sick and the doctor told us that she would need hospice care. Uh, as the power of attorney, I, w- I would sign the papers that would, would put her into hospice. My brother and, um, and I had a confrontation over that. Um, he accused me of murdering my mother. And then things got out of hand, and he threatened me physically. So other than at my mother's funeral, I have not seen nor spoken to my brother for 10 years. Um, until last summer. My family was, was going to get together down in Nebraska, and um, I heard, even though I, I heard my brother was going to be there, I decided to go. I will tell you that when I, when I got there, I didn't speak to my brother, and he didn't speak to me. We just um, kind of went along with the family group. It was an outside activity, and we just walked along uh, kind of in the family group together. And uh, we, were, we were moving around, and we were going down some steps. Now, my brother is 15 years older than I am, and right now he's suffering some health problems. But I noticed that shoe was untied as we went down those stairs. So in, uh, you know, best, nicest, sisterly fashion, I said, you know, you're going to fall down. So come over here and sit on this bench, and I'll tie your shoe. And he did. Um, when I knelt down in front of him, something changed. Um, I had I had a feeling of peace. It just kind of s- swept over me. It was it was really unusual. So I tied his shoe, and that action opened the door for my brother to begin to talk to me. And throughout the day, we did things together and we talked together and we had a really good day. I, I can't tell you if this is forgiveness or not because I don't know. I, I will just be honest. We didn't say sorry. We didn't apologize and we didn't cry. We just spent some time together. Is my brother my now my best friend? No, I, I will be honest about that, he's not. But things are better, and um, I got this note from my sister when she found out that I was gonna come here today and talk to you about this, and here's what she said to me. She said, I believe true forgiveness is more than words and doesn't need to be words. I forgive you is sometimes too easy. Forgiveness has to do with humility. And that's what we, your family, got to see. Thank you, Kim.
0: It's hard. Forgiveness is hard. And having emotions and feelings from someone that has injured us is hard. But when Gail told me that story, it took me back to the night of Passover when Jesus got down on His knees and washed the feet of the disciples. It was an act of servanthood. It was an act of kindness. And whatever happened changed everything. And when Paul says that we are to be kind, there's something about that kindness that changes things. And it begins to bring the decision that we've made into... It begins to bring our emotions along into the decision that we have made to forgive that person. Now, if you bring a card forward and you nail it to one of the crosses in the room today, I... Know that this is really difficult for you. And I only want you to do it if 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 you if God is saying, you know what, this is the moment, this is the time right now. It's your decision to do. Knowing that then begins the process. Then begins the process. Second, Paul says this. Be compassionate. Again, another translation uses the word tender-hearted here. It means literally to have a readiness to feel the pain of another person. Person. It's an open spirit versus a closed spirit. Unforgiveness does just the opposite, doesn't it? It closes our spirit to other people. Jesus sure was compassionate to us while we were yet sinners. His enemy, Christ died for us. Now write down in your notes, Romans 12:14 through21. I don't have time to read this this morning. Romans 12:14. Through 21, and hear some words of a man who knew a great deal about what it meant to be forgiven. A murderer of innocent people, Paul brought the end to many Christians' lives, but he experienced the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and he also knew a great deal about forgiving others. Romans 12:14 through 21. Read that later in the day. Healing efforts are renewed as we go through the process that occurs after we forgive. Now, we can forgive because we are forgiven. Paul ends the thought with forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And as we live our everyday lives, we begin to extend that forgiveness to others. Now, there are no enduring friendships without forgiveness. None. Not in a church, not in a family, not in a marriage. It will not endure unless there is forgiveness. So let's put these hurts to rest today. But before you bring your cards to the cross, I want to give five things really quick, really quick, to think about this week. Again, um, these are not exhaustive. They're just some things to think about. Because we often ask the question, how do I know if I've truly forgiven? How do I know? What's the test? Well, it's going to be different for all of us. Gail doesn't know yet if if she is, and and maybe today's the day, maybe she nails that letter to the cross and says, you know what, I'm going to take the willful action to, to say I forgive and let God then take me through the process of what that really looks like in my life. Five indications we have forgiven. First is this, our first thoughts are not of the injury towards that other person. When we think of that other person's name, we don't immediately think of the injury that they caused to us. We can have normal thoughts about this person. Second, um, I would help them if they needed it. Would you help them if they needed help and you were in a position to help them? Now, most likely, the person that hurt you is somebody that you were in a relationship with. Um, You cared for them. They cared for you. You loved them, maybe. And if they had needed help back then, you would have jumped at the chance. Now, while I'm not suggesting you would subject yourself to abuse or further harm, Okay, If that fits the situation that you have, I'm not suggesting that you are obligated to help them or even that you should, um, depending on the situation, but would you in your heart want to see them prosper or see them come to harm? The third thing is this. I think positively about them. I can find some positive things about this person now. You are along in the process if that's true. And fi- um, number four, my thoughts aren't about getting even. Are you to a point now where you don't think evil thoughts about this person? If, if that's where you're at, you, you've probably forgiven them. And then finally, number five, I've stopped looking for them to fail. How many times do we do that? We just wait and hope. Because we know their true character. And we know who they really are. If you have truly forgiven someone, then just like you would for anyone else, you would want them to succeed or at least do better in life. Forgiveness means you've stopped keeping a record of the person's wrongs. So now, out of obedience, Pastor Ty is going to come up here and he's going to play, play some music and, and at any time... Um, here in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the service, as we even sing the closing final song, if, if, if even during that you, you, you feel like you, you haven't yet, you want to come up and you want to nail this, your, your decision to forgive to a cross, do that. Now I mentioned a situation last week. And, and I believe that I've dealt with most of the things as far as forgiving this person and this family for the things that they did to me in what happened. But just to be sure, and this is interesting, I I got a message this week that that this family is, is giving testimony in their church tonight about how God has healed them from this situation. So if I'm holding on to anything, I'm letting it go today. And we're going to go there tonight and we're going to listen to their testimony. And I'm going to stand before these people because I haven't yet. And I will find out if I have forgiven them. If the rubber meets the road then, I pray that it has. Because I don't want to hold on to this anymore. And I don't think you do either. Choose to forgive choose to forgive. It's high praise. There's three crosses up here. There's one around the corner in the foyer. There's one for you folks in the balcony. Is he praised? When you're ready, come up. Nail it. I choose to forgive.
1: Not trust the sweetest praise.
0: you will be blessed there's a lot of pain up here there's a lot of forgiveness up here but I believe in ten years you may look back on this day and you may say you know what that's the day that God really changed the direction of my life that's the day some things really changed. Because you chose to forgive now, you you're entering the process. We are in the process. And our flesh and Satan will fight the process every step of the way. Because he wants us all full of unforgiveness. doesn't want us to forgive and to be free of that he wants us to hold that over another person's head but today today we're choosing to forgive and next sunday we celebrate the reason that we can forgive let's stand as we sing this last song as the ushers come forward and Take our morning offering, and if you still have a Connect card and you're not going to hand it to Craig, and you want to put it in the, the plate, please do that. Uh, we'll see you in one of the one of the times, either Thursday night or Friday night or Saturday or, or Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, morning. All of those things. Ty, let's sing. This